0: Good evening. It's been a busy week for the men who work on the papers, as it has been too, of course, for our own radio and TV newsmen. Events in the North and consequent events or non-events in London, Dublin or elsewhere have kept reporters, sub-editors, leader writers, commentators, all fairly fully extended. And it's true to say that I think it's under such circumstances that you see the quality of Irish journalism. As a non-news journalist, Myself, with no axe to grind, I'd venture to suggest that a very good piece of work has been done by my colleagues. The the coverage has been uh, of a remarkably high standard. However, I'd better stop this before I'm accused of being either patronising or biased. Let's have a broader look at what goes on around our daily papers. Um, When I went to see the editor of the Irish Independent, Louis MacRedmond, in his office the other evening... I remarked that editors these days, like policemen, seem to be getting younger. In uh, my youthful idea, an, uh, an editor was uh, something between God the Father and Chief Justice.
1: Well, I would find it hard to see myself in either capacity, I must say. Um, yes, we, they used, that idea of an editor used to be out and about, certainly. Uh, it's more than a little antiquated nowadays. The, pace at which we have to operate, uh, the need to coordinate all kinds of departments and so on, uh, means that an editor just can't be remote, uh, has to be pretty active, and uh, and so on. There's just not much element of either the divine or judicial in him. Uh, what is the
0: function of an editor now, would you think? You've, meant you've hinted there at its coordination, would you say, is it basically that
1: uh, yes, its coordination in, in so far as the immediate production of the paper is concerned. Each day's paper has to be put together. It consists of all kinds of elements: from sport, news, features, uh, and of course the advertising. And all of this uh, has to be held together in a coherent unit. Uh, some one person has to take charge of this operation, and uh, this is part of the editor's job. But the editor has a very different function as well, of course. Most of his time is not in fact spent in producing the next morning's paper. It's uh, concerned with planning ahead, with looking to next week and perhaps next month, thinking on the lines, of course, of general policy, uh, informing himself. This is very much a part of the editor's editor's functions, and um, uh, this involves moving around quite a bit outside the office.
0: Yes, this again takes from the remote image. Uh, the editor has to be
1: really where the action is. He has to know what's going on, and then... Frankly, this I should say, Sean, this is something I believe in very strongly. Uh, I think that in the past, there was a tendency uh, for editors uh, in this God the Father image, I suppose, to withdraw completely and uh, wait for the news to come to them. Now, of course, it's fundamentally the job of the reporter to go out and get the news. At the same time, I think it's very wrong for an editor, not himself, to know, have some feeling for what is going on, some personal contact with events. And this is something I would like to uh, achieve. In fact, to achieve a lot more than I'm able to do because the short-term business of holding the paper together t- takes up an awful lot of time. Now, uh, the editor also has been in the past
0: regarded as the man who writes the editorials. Of course, this is who writes the leading articles. This is no longer true,
1: of course. I don't believe it was ever true uh, to um, 100% uh, There have always been leader writers. The editor would be a foolish man to presume that uh, he knows all about everything. This, nobody has this kind of omniscience. You naturally, you use uh, your specialists uh, to write editorials on specialist subjects. But uh, of course, all this is done in consultation with the editor. Uh, The editor does write editorials from time to time. Uh, I think this also is true of most newspapers. But he doesn't write all of them. He takes responsibility for all of them. And he, of course, approves all editorials. And he lays down the line, more or less? Uh, He lays down the line, yes, but not in an autocratic way. Uh, He will take the advice of a specialist. For instance, if we have an editorial on education, uh, you call in the educational correspondent, you ask him about it, what he feels, what he thinks, and so on. Uh, you may have to get the feeling of some other people as well, the political correspondent perhaps, uh, even the economics correspondent, on whether uh, these are the point to be made in the editorial and the point the educational correspondent would be the person who would stress it is a reasonable one or not. and. Uh, the editorial which comes out in the end may very well not be the one which the specialist would agree with 100% himself, but does represent a consensus, and it is the editor who decides just what the consensus is. Now, how far do you think that
0: readers help to dictate the policy of a paper? I mean, one gets the impression, perhaps rightly or wrongly, that the Irish independents say, or the Irish Times, or the Irish press, has been... It, that it knows, more or less, broadly speaking, who it's writing for. And does the, uh, does the Independent, say, or the Times of the Press, set out to uh, write
2: for a group?
1: Well, I can't speak for the Times and the Press, of course, but so far as the Irish Independent is concerned, uh, I think we know our readers. Uh, this does affect our presentation uh, to the extent that we must be intelligible to our readers, uh, that we must come in on the matters in which they are most interested, uh, but this is not quite the same as being dictated to by your readers. Uh, your, you will take, uh, your reader's needs into account, but you will hope, uh, perhaps to do a little dictating to them. Mind you, they will be very quick to tell you uh, when uh, you are dictating too much or when you are offending them, and then you can get a ding-dong battle in the letter columns and so on. Uh, This is one of the things a newspaper is for. But really, if a paper has the function of forming public opinion, uh, then of course, it must always be a step ahead of their readers, uh, of its readers, but I think it's also important to stress that it shouldn't be more than one step ahead. Um, uh, otherwise you get too remote.
0: Yes, you're, you're not there to confirm uh, the reader's prejudices or even, shall we say, to reassure them in, in their ideas, but uh, you feel that you mustn't go too far ahead.
1: You? Uh, certainly, you're not there either to confirm prejudices or to reassure them of their ideas, but uh, of course, if you agree with them, then you may very well be confirming their ideas, and this will very often happen, because a newspaper, of course, and the people who work in, in a newspaper, uh, you're not going to be happy on the job unless you have some rapport with your readers, and if you're uh, totally at loggerheads with them on all issues, uh, then you're going to go go off and find yourself another job. Uh, consequently, um, very often you will be reflecting your readers' ideas, and this is one of the functions of a newspaper, to reflect public opinion. Uh, But it has this other function as well, as I say, of forming public opinion, and uh, when it attempts to do that, it is, of course, uh, quite often flying in the face of its its readers. But you, Mm -hmm. certainly, you will rarely find the case of a newspaper which is in blatant opposition to what uh, its readers' basic feelings are. Uh, (laughs) Such a newspaper wouldn't last for very long.
0: How about the distinction made so often between quality papers
1: and popular papers do you feel that this is applicable really in Ireland as regards the daily papers? Uh, Well quite honestly it's a distinction for which I haven't got much use Uh, it is a Mm -hmm. distinction which was made in England and it's, in English terms, applied to the Fleet Street papers in England, you can quickly enough uh, spot the validity of it, because in England you've got uh, a press divided right down the middle uh, between the serious heavies, as some people call them, and uh, the light, popular papers most of which tend nowadays to be very largely entertainment sheets rather than newspapers. Uh, The distinction is very sharp. I know of no other country where there is such a sharp division between the types of newspapers. In Ireland we do not have such a division at all. Uh, All our newspapers are serious. Uh, And you would like to believe that they are all also popular too? (laughs) Uh, I certainly would be very happy. Uh, I I know no uh, compunctions about using the word popular about my own paper. Uh, if you've got uh, seven hundred thousand readers a day, yeah, no, no, popular none of that. Oh, if uh, <laughs> you give me the opportunity, you know. <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, uh, popular in the sense that people like it. No newspaper uh, should be afraid of being called popular in that sense.
0: Louis MacRedmond referred there a while ago to the functions of the specialist or um, expert on various fields in the modern newspaper in, say, constructing, if that's the word, a a leading article on a particular point of policy. Um, While in the Independent, I met their uh, political correspondent, uh, Arthur Noonan, who, of course, is well known to us on radio and television. Uh, Arthur, how do you uh, see the functions and scope of your work?
3: I see <clears throat> broadly my, my function uh, to convey to the public, to the, uh, to the readers of a popular newspaper with, a, uh, with a se- se- on a serious level, the, uh, the truth behind the, the parliamentary facade, if you like, the, wh- what public men are, are in themselves and what their function is, not just on the level of the official dole report, but as human beings, as, as uh, representatives of, uh, of the people. Uh, it's very difficult to put it in words. I, I think I fulfil my function if at the end of the of a parliamentary session people understand their legislators better and uh, understand the motives for which they work as well as their, their actual deeds.
0: You wouldn't, of course, confine it to a question of personalities. You, you've been stressing their yeah. the, the people. It's a... Their ideas, too,
3: as well. Oh, their ideas, particularly. But I think it's important. I think a lot of people have the idea that politicians are all hooks. You know, they say these things, you see. And sometimes they say them from ignorance of the, of the fact. They pick up uh, a necessarily uh, truncated report of it all, and the doll and they say, oh, my God, how could that man say that? They don't know, really, uh, very often, uh, all the circumstances leading up to it. And I see it as my function to... Uh, fill them in as far as I I possibly can. Now,
0: you mentioned Parliament there a moment ago. Uh, The parliamentary correspondent, the man who goes to the Doyle or the San, uh, is he the same he's not necessarily the same as the political car, is he? No, knows.
3: this is an interesting thing. It's a team war it's a team thing in fact, as as in most cases in broadcasting or anything else. And in fact, in this business of covering the uh, covering Parliament, the structure uh, of the newspapers and of uh, broadcasting is not dissimilar. What they do uh, normally uh, is send a, a team of say, uh, four or five, six people there they produce uh, a running what you might call a running report of the proceedings excuse me
0: when you say they send a team do you mean each, each newspaper sends a team each, yes.
3: that's right there is an existence in Oractus press gallery controlled by the by the uh, journalists themselves under the supervision of the superintendent of the house of the Oractus, you see now uh, the, the, each newspaper sends a team of roughly say let's say six people plus their political correspondents they produce the, uh, a running report of, of the of the debate as it proceeds They send this to their newspaper offices. They also give carbon copies to political correspondents uh, from which you you can uh, uh, have a good broad idea of the the pattern of the debate. But you also, a political correspondent also goes in on the press gallery and listens to individual things in which he has an interest and which he has been alerted or coming up, to which he has been alerted coming up. Well, uh, you, 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 in that way, uh, not only know what's going into your newspaper from the Dáil, but you can uh, add the little touches here and there uh, from your own uh, direct experience.
0: And uh, you comment, you don't just report. Oh, there?
3: that's true. Uh, some uh, politicians aren't too keen on this business of comment, but I'm afraid uh, in, in the new generation they've just got to accept it. And I think. Uh, I think we have moved this thing onto a more adult stage. They're now beginning more and more to accept uh, that that the expression of opinion on their day-to-day activities is a normal part of uh, of parliamentary coverage.
0: Yes, I'd like to come back to this in a Mm. moment, just before they're leaving the actual gallery. Is Mm. there much collaboration, cooperation there between the newspapers themselves?
3: There is, uh, there is a broad. Uh, in the, let's take something, say something rather dull, like a land bill or or, or uh, something of that nature. Uh, the amount of material. Uh, that is really news or is I- interesting to the public in, in, a, in a popular way is, is not that great. And you find. You mean the, there
0: would be a good deal of technical stuff. There yeah. would, and yes. a good
3: deal of, of uh, pedestrian setting forth of local problems, yeah. uh, bog drains, and that sort of thing. So that the amount of what you might call hard news for morning papers is not very great, and therefore you find papers picking up much the same things. And very often, uh, individual journalists who might mishear a deputy, some deputies have a great habit of dropping the, the no and not, you're never quite sure which one he said, they get together and say, which did he really say? But, well, to that extent, there is uh, what you might call cooperation, but each uh, gro- uh, team tries to produce its own individual uh, report, especially when it gets on to something controversial, like, say, the Criminal Justice Bill or some of those things. Each paper has an attitude and tries to uh, the team tries to fit in.
0: Now, to return to the point about the the relationship between the political correspondents and the actual politicians. Hmm. Um, uh, you said that they perhaps have in the past tended to prefer you not to comment too much. Uh, extending this a little bit, uh, how do you find the notion of the politician, or the, particularly the politician in office, Coming to the press, making the approach to the to the press with information, the press, the political press conference, and so on, is that developing? Oh, much?
3: this is developing. Particularly uh, at the at the some of the younger ministers have have a good conception of this. They they realise, you see, that there is going to be comment in any case, and that it had better be properly informed. It's you know it's going to come out in any case, so it better be properly informed. Some of the quite a lot of deputies, uh, however, um, still have a very old world approach to this. They think really, that uh, what you should reproduce in your newspaper is more or less a a carbon copy of the official report, and that you should leave comment to themselves really, uh, when it's boiled down uh, altogether, or to to the public themselves. They tend to regard themselves as the definitive thing on on, on all this, and any uh, amateur commentator, as they regard him, is an interloper. Now, this is breaking down, I agree, but there's still quite an element of it left. Uh, Perhaps it'll all disappear in this next election. The 19th all might be totally different.
0: Uh, we, we all agree, of course, that what goes on in Parliament, what goes on in the Dáil, is really the tip of an iceberg in, as far as political life is concerned. Does the political correspondent concern himself a great deal with non-parliamentary political activity?
3: Well, I certainly do. I, 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 I suppose one must be honest enough to say that in, this, in a small country like this uh, where we all know each other, it's much simpler to lobby, as they call it, than it is in Britain where you have... A House of Commons of over 600 members and coming from uh, a very big population. Here in this country, if I hear the Taoiseach say something, I know the Taoiseach personally. I I have a rough idea of of the kind of man he is and I make an assessment of perhaps what he's not saying. That's not difficult for me after a few years. Uh, To that extent, uh, lobbying in this small country or uh, trying to write from behind the scenes is simpler than in bigger countries.
0: Yes, well, I wasn't even just thinking of behind the scenes in that tone of voice, really, so much as the... The, the activity of government departments, the the activity out in the field, the, the work of politicians outside of Parliament, the, you know.
3: Yes, well, yes, this, but again, the, one of the big troubles here is that they haven't developed this enough. They haven't developed the committee system sufficiently, and there is a great, great body of opinion uh, holding that they should now develop onto the committee system in, in several sensible directions. Well, uh, I, I would say now, let's take the budget, which is a, a current topic, uh, The Minister for Finance at the moment now uh, invites political correspondents along to his office to meet his budget officials uh, and completely off the record we go through the documents and go through the statistics and we end up with uh, a backgrounded picture, uh, you know, uh, which I think is very useful. It means that you can uh, either criticise the budget or praise it but you can do it intelligently, you're properly informed.
0: What do you think of the criticism that has been suggested to the political correspondents in fact that the that the more they establish themselves uh, the less trustworthy they become, not in their honesty but because once they become established, the politicians give them what they want them to tell the people
3: well this hasn't been my experience i i I, I, I would say it perhaps works it works at a rather superficial level in that way, but once you uh, become involved in rather heavy criticism of a political party or individual politicians, they very soon uh, become disillusioned with you, and you are a natural. Really, the, the, the thing to keep in mind is that the, 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 the correct relationship between uh, political journalists and politicians is one of enmity. You know, you try to say, well, I'll keep that at the professional level, and personally we'll be all friendly, but there is that needle there that you never quite get away from.
0: Not in a newspaper office but in an establishment much frequented by newsmen, I ran into a man with wide and deep experience of newspapers in many countries, Claude Coburn. I asked him, did he think that there was a specifically Irish character to journalism here?
2: I do, because, really because of the size of the country, because people have, in a in small country, they have still a great interest in newspapers than people do in larger countries because they believe that newspapers are important and they therefore read the newspapers with greater interest and very often with horror uh, than uh, in in larger countries where everybody says, oh, what the devil does it matter? Here, nobody really thinks what the devil does it matter. And so, uh, people, uh, the newspapers here really do because of the small size of the country and the small size of circulation, relatively small size of the circulation of newspapers, people take them seriously. They take them far more seriously now than in any Western, other Western country. Now, do you, do you think it's mo- mostly a matter of here of factor of comment? I
0: mean, the, a, a considerable amount of fact does come in, after all, more directly through television and radio news, you know? It does. Um, how do you see the newspapers fitting into this?
2: I think the newspapers, uh, of course, have to uh, accept the obvious fact that at 10 in the evening one's seeing the telly, and you're not going to be astounded by the news that appears on the, in the morning newspaper. Therefore, the, the comment of the paper becomes more and more important. And uh, the uh, that's, that's to say the editorial side of the newspapers, as distinct from the uh, supposed factual reporting, becomes more and more important.
0: Now, uh, are you one who believes that the two things should be kept fairly rigorously apart?
2: Not at all. It's impossible to keep them uh, rigorously apart. There is no such thing as, a, as a, you know, a neutral fact. There's no such thing as a neutral reporter. And uh, everybody who is covering any situation, as it might be tomorrow in Armagh, the, uh, you can't expect a man to be neutral. If he's neutral, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, well, he's an ass, isn't he? And uh, one way or another. And so that so that, uh, the facts are not facts. They are they are an assemblage of a, an attitude by a reporter, which is then reported by the news.
0: Yeah. Well, I know there is a difference between truth and facts. I mean, you 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 can have uh, you can have facts without truth, but you can't have truth without. The actual facts themselves, and do you think that, that um, with the editorialising that does go on, do you think that? the, the, the bricks, the bricks of the thing, the brick and the, uh, the mortar of the story do appear quite clearly enough. I mean, in some newspapers anyway, I feel that there's a tendency perhaps, you know, as somebody said about the Guardian, you know, to present a series of Urbane essays on what's happening rather than to tell you what is happening.
2: No, uh, one shouldn't, uh, shouldn't, of course, uh, allow Urbane essays to appear in the paper, but... Uh, always accepting the, your own, of course, I mean. The, uh, always accepting one's own paper, of course. Uh, At the same time, it is uh, essential that the reporter and the editor and the paper should always have a clenched fist, they should know what they are trying to say, what is the pattern of the facts which they are trying to present. All of us have different patterns in which we see the realities of events. We all see them differently. But all our patterns uh, it's true they're different, but we must impose those patents on the reader. Uh,
0: against the competition of a good deal of noise there, Todd Coburn made loud and clear, I think, a plea for a committed journalism, even committed reporting. This is something I'd like to take up now with... Dennis Kennedy, who works with the Irish Times, but who's also worked in, uh, far away from home in Africa, in, uh, in Ethiopia, in fact, but nearer home in the north with the Belfast Telegraph. D- do you yourself uh, see the reporter's job as not just collecting facts?
4: Well, the reporter, uh, if he's going to collect the right facts, or what he thinks are the right facts, must have a considerable interest in his subject. And if you have a considerable interest, you are almost bound to become committed to some extent. Uh, As a professional journalist, you would be expected to control this commitment. But I don't think you could avoid it entirely. Uh, Working in Africa, one of the things that was completely against the law in a country like Ethiopia was to comment in any way. Uh, And this, of course, proves impossible. Uh, As uh, Claude Coburn was saying, you can't present effect without some comment. The fact itself is a comment.
0: The, the mere act of selection? Yes. Now, it is then possible to be partial and at the same time fair?
4: Yes, it, it must be. Uh, according to you, as a trained observer, as, uh, to use the word professional, uh, news gatherer, going out selecting what you think are relevant, important facts, uh, to that extent you're selecting, to that extent you are partial. Uh, given your own uh, basic approach to the problem that you're writing about, uh, you lay yourself open to some extent to a charge of partiality. But then all newspapers are committed to some extent. The reader knows this, the reader expects it, and uh, he can handle it.
0: Does the reporter in the six counties and the reporter in the 26 find himself in two different worlds, just purely as a journalist?
4: Well, the trouble is that the reporter in the 26 counties in recent months has found himself invariably in the six counties, Uh, foreign territory perhaps to many i don't think so the the past uh, six months certainly have been most abnormal times for reporters in both parts of ireland that it's it's hard to say that the north is very different from the south you'd miss in the north uh, the national side of things you are constantly aware of being a provincial newspaper man in belfast uh, e- even uh, reporting government affairs, Stormont, you you still can't get away from the fact that it is provincial and that it's much more important what Harold Wilson is doing than what Terence O'Neill is doing. In Dublin, uh, you you do have this feeling that uh, we are a nation, we are writing about national affairs, even though it may be a small nation, it is the capital.
0: There is this metropolitan feel about things. Oh, there is,
4: quite way. definitely.
0: Um, do you, uh, as a rep- As a reporter, specifically now as a reporter, what do you find are the main stumbling blocks and the main problems in the job now? Do you find that uh, there are pressures, or uh, do you find that these pressures come from the nature of the job, or do you find that they're outside?
4: I think there are two ways to answer that. One is a stumbling block and one is a help, and they're both part of the same thing. Today, many people in government, uh, in business in private organizations are terribly anxious to get publicity, to talk to the press, to give you information. Uh, This is of course helpful, I mean uh, we're in Belfast and we hear there's an explosion, we can telephone the RUC, they've just appointed uh, two public relations officers, they will tell us uh, where the explosion was, what the police are doing, have they arrested anybody, we can get all this information uh, within five minutes, which is very very helpful. On the other hand, we are therefore getting the, in, the information which one particular interested party wants us to have.
0: Yes, uh, this came up a moment ago when I was talking to the political correspondent of The Independent. Uh, we talked, I talked about this very
4: problem, and I'm interested to hear you bring it up now. Well, for, for instance, uh, uh, the police now in, in the North, and they're talking about the recent situation, uh, are actually volunteering information to the press... One can say it's not factual information, it is, but it is the information which the police would like us to have and would like us to publish. Now, whether the police like it or not, they have become, in, in the past few weeks, a contentious party in the North. And therefore, the journalist is faced with the problem that here is a piece of information from an impeccable source. It, it is true, we, we would accept this, that it's it's a reliable source, but yet it is a particularly sided piece of information. It comes from one side. Can you check it? Can you, can you carry it? Can you give it relevance? This is something that uh, I find quite a problem now. Uh, if it seems an important piece of information and you don't give it prominence, uh, you may be failing in your basic job as a newspaper man to give the news. Here is an incident, it happened, you haven't given it the credit it should have got. And yet at the same time, because you got it from an interested party, you're, you're suspicious. This is a problem. On the other hand, it is, of course, very, very good to get rapid, swift information from a body like a police force. We don't always get it.
0: And this is one of the main, as you say, half advantage, half-stumbling blocks of the modern reporter's job.
4: Yes, the word is modern. In this day and age, again, to refer back to Africa, which is perhaps a different day and a different age, information from police, from government, was non-existent. You just didn't get it, which made reporting very often fiction writing i I was writing reports for back to for European sources, and you were going entirely on speculation based on scraps of information now the African governments get very annoyed about European coverage of African affairs, but this is one reason why they get annoyed because the coverage is based on morsels on titbits on on second third hand bits of information. The reporters there his his editor in London or Paris says give me." Uh, 500 words or give me three minutes on the situation now. He has to do it. He does it with what's available, and what's available is often very little.
0: And I suppose, coming back to the old problem then, that many of the problems of the reporter, like of any other journalist, are the problems of time and space. Exactly. When is a newspaper not a newspaper, somebody asks, and the answer is when it's a Sunday supplement. Well, now, even not going quite as far as the glossy supplement... There is, it is undoubtedly true that the magazine side of the newspaper is coming up more and more. Uh, whether this has a relation to what we spoke about a moment ago with Claude Corburn, the fact that radio and TV very often give you the immediate fact and then the, the newspaper is development from this or not. Uh, here's David Marcus. He's literary editor of the Irish Press. What do you think about this, David?
5: Well, I, I agree that uh, the newspaper as a magazine has to come forward and develop that aspect of its function and of its existence in these days. Um, simply because, of course, uh, although it still goes by the old name of newspaper, the, the term is now uh, an anachronism, really, and because news is really dead by the time it reaches reaches the reader of the newspaper. But as a magazine, of course, there are two uh, divisions then. It, can, it must... Uh, develop the feature side of the magazine, the popular feature, and then I think it has, and this is my own particular concern, it has a duty and a function to develop the artistic and literary side as a magazine newspaper. And um, this is what I feel it should do in a country like Ireland, which is small and compact, and in which a national newspaper can reach almost uh, representatives of every section and sector of the population and therefore it, uh, it has an appeal. It can raise standards, it can do a great deal to help artists and writers. This is what I want to do, and uh, I'm doing it along certain lines, I hope, and I, I hope they will develop even further, because I've not been a very long time at it yet.
0: Uh, there is, of course, the traditional book page, book reviewing. I suppose in a
5: way this is news to some extent it it is but only to a small extent but uh, in res- with respect to the book page and book review you know, this is one thing which i have very set ideas i they may be incorrect i hope not um because ireland is such a small country i feel that when we get books by irish writers novels or books of stories or or poetry by irish writers Uh, I would prefer to see them reviewed by non-Irish critics. And this is a policy which I have instituted in the book page of the Irish press and which I follow as often as I can. And I certainly intend to develop it and see how it goes. Because in a small country like Ireland, every writer knows every other writer, usually personally. And under these circumstances, it is very difficult for an Irish critic... No matter how unprejudiced he may try to be, it's, I think, almost impossible for him to give a dispassionate view. For these reasons, I think that the standards of criticism uh, when it comes to Irish critics reviewing Irish books may be just a little suspect at times, not always, but at times. And therefore, I think that if we had a session over a number of years where the Irish writers are reviewed by non-Irish critics... It certainly will be very interesting. I think it will be very helpful as well. This is what I have done, and uh, there are more to come.
0: You can't do that, of course, with books in Irish, and I know you're interested in modern
5: writing in Irish. Exactly. I can't do that (coughs) with books in Irish, but, again, there's a difficulty here, a problem which I haven't solved in my own mind, and I don't know really how I am going to, in that I like to review as many books in Irish as, as possible, but the question is, should they be reviewed in Irish or in English? For the moment, anyway, I have adopted the uh, plan of having them reviewed in English. Obviously, this is, this is open to great objection. But if I have them reviewed in Irish, it'll be open to objection by by other sides. So it's not an easy thing to decide. But by and large, then, do you find that uh, this whole function of
0: the literary end of a newspaper is it's it's at least in part. Uh, Part of the general pattern, I suppose, of newspaper of informing people of, of making people more aware of what's going on in in say the cultural life of the country, to use the dirty yes. word, uh, as well as in other aspects. Of the yes, next, yeah. that
5: that is quite so, and that ties up with what I am trying to do with the uh, new Irish writing page in the Irish Ar- in the Irish press, because this uh, has been conceived with two aims in mind: um, to inform the readers in the country of what is being done by Irish writers. This is something which they haven't been able to learn of before except through books and through the literary magazine. But the day of the literary magazine is, I think, dead, and it may be dead forever. Do you really? I do. I do. I think it's dead uh, in in Ireland, certainly, because um, literary magazines are not a commercial proposition, obviously. Of course, we are in the era of the subsidy as well, But nevertheless, I think the literary magazines in Ireland for the past, uh, say, 15 years, and there haven't been many, this itself is symptomatic, for the past 15 years, they suffer, I think, from um, a lack of application on the part of the editors... This may be a bit of an accusation to make, but I think it. I think it is true that the editors of literary magazines in Ireland for past 15 years have allowed them to languish. To well, I think you've extent. been an
0: editor of a literary magazine yourself. Anyway, I know that you're not. <laughs> yes. you're not speaking from from the sidelines. Just,
5: um,
0: but do you not feel that there is an inherent uh, sort of built-in limitation on the treatment of the arts in newspapers? I mean, the the, the old space problem. The space problem.
5: There definitely is, but. Look at it this way. Uh, Giving one page a week to creative writing, if you add up the amount of of, uh, pieces one can put in in a year, you will find that you'll be able to publish even more than, say, a quarterly magazine would despite the fact that Quarterly Magazine might have 60 to 70 pages per issue. So the space problem is not as bad as it may appear to be on the surface. The uh, bigger problem, and this is quite understandable when you're dealing with newspapers, the bigger problem is the problem of um, censorship, one might call it. though that, again, is an ugly word, Word I very definitely do not like. But um, one must realise that national newspapers, to a great extent, are family newspapers. And there are certain things, certain words one can't use in them, and there are perhaps I wouldn't say there are any themes one one can't treat, but there are treatments. certain ways, yes, yes. the yes. treatments themselves have to be um, have to be selected now that is an obvious limitation it's a limitation I, I I am always conscious of, one must live with it.
0: is there another limitation to it here I make no accusations at all, but is there is there a, a, a temptation to lower the sights somewhat
5: because of of maintaining a popular readership a uh, Presumably the temptation exists, I, I hope I won't sound boastful when I say it does not exist for me. I think that uh, to give in to such temptation would be the wrong way to go about it because uh, you will not be helping the readers, you will not be helping the writers if you lower your sights and that is why my policy has always been to get the very best Irish writers, the most famous ones and there are very few who have not even in only one year appeared in new Irish writing and as well to encourage new writers who are appearing for the first time only, or who've had very little published before. But I do not lower the standard for these new writers. Mm. I don't consciously do so anyway, and I have found, nevertheless, that I am not short of work by new writers. One other question. Uh, Do you feel, though, again, that the mere
0: concept of a page... Now, uh, either you're... um, this page of which you've been speaking, or the literary page, the more conventional literary page in any newspaper, that the mere fact of it being a page ghettoises it a bit, you know, puts it, uh, means that, well, that the ordinary reader can sort of salute it in passing and pass
5: to the sports or whatever he wants to read, you know. Yes, and that's an inevitable danger, and uh, I think it's accentuated by the fact that a newspaper, a daily newspaper, uh, it's gone the next day, and indeed even that evening you often wonder where it's gone to, yes. and therefore if the reader doesn't look at this page and read it there and then, he's unlikely to catch up on it afterwards. That is a danger, I honestly don't see how one can avoid that at the moment, except perhaps to spread it a bit to, uh, through the week, but now you then, uh, you do run into the problem of space if you want to do that.
0: And in general, you, you, you feel that the, that the magazine, let, leaving aside this specifically literary thing, that the magazine function is one of the developments that we're going to have for quite some time in, in the newspaper.
5: Oh, I definitely think so. Magazine and the magazine, because uh, the magazine treatment of news and depth is one development, and then the magazine aspect of newspaper itself is with us forever, I think, and I'm very glad of it myself.
0: And yet, and yet, uh, many would still hold that the proper study of the newspaper is news. I, I, I have a feeling Donal Foley of the Irish Times would, since he is the news editor there. Uh, by the way, Donal, we, we we talked to Louis Macready about uh, what an editor does. What does a news editor do?
6: Well, basically, he organises a newsroom. About twenty-five or so reporters we have in our newsroom, and and correspondents throughout uh, the country, and. Uh, three or four staff reporters in various other parts in, in London and, various, and, and contributors in Paris and that's a, we we organise what they're going to do we suggest some stories they should uh, they should cover and uh, in Ireland of course a lot of built in markings like the Dáil, the Courts the Senates, dormants, public inquiries and these are marked for and you pick your, your man you think will do it best for instance the High Court, we have a High Court man who's almost a liar himself who covers that in the Dáil we have Three or four, half dozen reports will go there regularly, and um, uh, it means organizing so that you have the best effort out of all your all your special talents in in the newsroom. Uh, news itself, I think, has changed in so far as that, in the in the context now, when you have television, yes. and radio, uh, we like to go beyond the story and get and get more detailed report. Things happened, and uh, I think this is the way the newspapers in the future will be. There will be more specialised coverage, more intimate knowledge of the subject by the people involved in it. Uh, so therefore, a man who's uh, who is, uh, for instance, the health we appoint a Doctor Reason as our health correspondent uh, as a medical correspondent. Well, this is the trend, you think? This is the trend. Yes, this is the but way. Is it's... the
0: day of this of the general reporter over?
6: No, uh, the general reporter will always, of course. Have a, have, an, uh, have a vital part to play in every newspaper because, in fact, the hard core of every newspaper is what happened the day before, the courts, the doll, and these people want to know what happened. But uh, there is now a more uh, there's a tendency in the Irish in the Irish morning papers to give a more solid account. This uh, to give, uh, uh, for, for instance, uh, the coverage in Belfast by Telfish and Éireann. We'll just take, for instance. Uh, it was excellent in many ways, but there were tantalising gaps in it. Uh, you have a 15-minute newscast from Derry, uh, uh, and, and uh, the camera work is excellent, the, and, and the commentaries were quite good, I thought, but in, there were some tantalising things. That what happened there why, was there? why did that happen there? And this, uh, You have two or three reporters who will, uh, who will cooperate and give a, a fuller picture and And maybe say what's going to happen tomorrow? why did this man do it? what was the you know and give some of the background of the policeman who walked around the corner at that time or the man who who suddenly stopped the crowd. This is real I think what newspapers are about today that they they go beyond the, the 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 shock impact they tell people what's happening in their community it
0: seems to to, to call for a for a highly informed sort of journalist doesn't it with well,
6: the tendency to I'll go back to, sort of recruitment, and uh, we are tending, and I think other newspapers are doing it too, to ten- to recruit graduates uh, into journalism. But it isn't because we regard them as super beings, but because their training can be now utilised in a very intelligent fashion. And I'm a man with a degree in the humanities can be, can be utilised, or uh, an economist, because society is growing more complex all the time, and you need people with specialist knowledge to... ...put into simple language for people what is happening in our society. I think this is the basic function of news today... ...is to explain to people what has been done for them... ...what has been done about them... ...and to explain the complexities of government. Uh,
0: Look, there's one kind of complexity... ...that is the complexity of the foreign story. Uh, You know, here is, I think, perhaps the weakest side of Irish journalism... ...from where I sit. Uh, Even though there have been some magnificent coverages of events... ...and I, I, I would be the first to admit this... But are we not to a great extent dependent on the news agencies still?
5: Well,
6: y- yes, I would say that uh, papers in Ireland uh, you know, couldn't just afford to have correspondence throughout the world, but uh, they can select their agencies with greater care. I think this should be done, and they can select... And I think that I think Irish newspapers should, in fact, have correspondence now in major centres. I think this is uh, something which should be done immediately. But I also think that... that when we have specialists in Ireland, and one uh, of diplomatic correspondents, uh, education correspondent, religious correspondent, that they should look and uh, at the stories which come in, have a greater cooperation between uh, the domestic service and uh, and uh, the services from abroad. This is happening, by the way, happening in all newspapers. That in fact, if a, a common market story comes in, we look at that and relate it to Ireland in her application. The same is true, you know, of the Czechoslovakia situation. We regarded the, our own. Uh, tendencies towards uh, 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 in religious uh, disputes and various things we uh, we like, to, i mean John Hope, people like that are important inspired as as they can see because a reporter today in Ireland is very much a part of Europe very much a part of the world it's not any more just a, a a small isolated thing
0: you feel that there is this this relation between events and the coordination of this relationship is of course I agree one of the necessary things it's the one I think where a newspaper really falls down is when you have two stories in two different parts of the paper which obviously are linked and the link hasn't been seen
6: oh yes well this of course happens because we are working against the clock Uh, you know you're producing a 20 page paper in fact this is a small factory You're delivering goods down to the case room uh, to have it set, and this uh, you're operating in this way. People forget that this has to come out twice a day. You come out your special edition, your country uh, and and your city edition. So therefore, it's it's very much at times a production effort to get the thing to to beat the clock. And sub editors who are sitting there watching stories coming in from various parts of the world, trying to see the relationship between them. The chief sub is looking at it. It's very much an emergency. uh, You know. It surprises me, in fact, that newspapers are in fact, so articulate and so coherent in, the, in, their, in their approach to moral problems, you know?
0: Yes, uh, another journalist said to me the other day that when people talk about pressures, they, th- they think about ad- pressures from advertising, pressures yeah. from uh, of a political kind, yeah. and pressures from management, that these are nothing compared to the, the
6: actual human pressure. Human pressure of time, which is... Uh, I mean, reporters are just human, and, uh, and sub-editors... And the wire machines are clicking all over the wor- all the time from all over the world They're coming into our newsroom from uh, from new york all uh, every place and you have your uh, and you have men tearing off these slips running in, putting them in front of the chief sub. He is deciding, handing up the news editor, please look at that. you look at it and say, oh, "Well, call some reporter, give your man a ring there. This is the picture yeah, and it's done against this kind of situation and uh, it's it's very exciting, uh, and I think that is why you need people who are are tremendously enthusiastic and tremendously involved in their job. And this is why journalists, uh, uh, you know, are, are in many ways why that why they spend their time together talking because the job is so involved that uh, and uh, and there's so much competition in it. You know? And so
0: that a journalist is a journalist, perhaps twenty four hours a day. Twenty four hours a
6: day, yeah. yes. You're
0: talking there about pressures and alleged pressures on journalists uh, don't fully venture the remark that the real problem was that he, uh, both reporters and sub-editors are human um, I know that reporters believe this about reporters and sub-editors about sub-editors, but they don't normally regard each other as being human at all uh, Claude Corbin, whom we've heard from already, in fact um, s- says somewhere, one of his books that um, all Sub-editors think that reporters are uh, layabouts who are out drinking their heads off and going to cocktail parties and meeting the great uh, while they're slaving away at the desk, whereas uh, reporters think that sub-editors have been specially invented in order to mangle and maul their copy. And, of course, from the reader's point of view, you know, uh, there is something there. You think, you, know, if you particularly if you know that somebody has has done a story. If you've been at something where you've seen a reporter, and then you see what goes in the following day, you tend to blame him or praise him. Whereas in fact, of course, it's much more complicated than that. Jack Jones is the chief sub-editor of the Irish Press, and that is a, a sort of counterpart to what Donald Foley is doing in his newspaper and there are, there are Donald Foley's and Jack Joneses in all newspapers, and this is a sort of balance. How, how do you see it, Jack?
7: Well, I think the most telling summing up of the writer's view of a sub-editor came from a, a one-time columnist in the Irish press, Roddy the Rover, who told his readers one morning that sub-editors are men who cross out other men's words and go home in the dark. This seems to be, generally speaking, the writer's view of sub-editors and uh, the sub-editor's view of many writers is, I'm afraid, not
0: suitable for family listening.
7: But by and large we do manage to keep a fair balance and uh, we, we do occasionally get writers who complain to editors and so on and this raises certain tensions within the organisation, but these occasions are rare, in fact. I think both um, uh, reporters of any length of service and sub-editors, mature sub-editors, have a, a real appreciation of one another's difficulties.
0: Now, your job, the job of you and your staff, is to get what people bring in, whether they bring it in physically or whether it comes in on the wire services and so forth to add it all up and make a paper, make a make a page out of it, make several pages out of it. Yeah,
7: yes. The sub-editor's desk is uh, where the, the the paper itself is brought to birth, and uh, it's subject to all kinds of limitations, which the the people who are writing the material don't always allow for. Um, the size of the paper, for example, the amount of advertising, which. It doesn't actually dictate the size of the paper, but it certainly conditions it. Um, the number of pages, the amount of news which is running on any specific night. There are uh, absolutely agonising nights. when There's absolutely nothing to, to answer that our greatest problem, which is what in the name of God is going to be the lead story. And there are are other nights when stuff is is running so heavily that you've eight, nine, ten stories that you could very reasonably lead the paper with.
0: Who makes that decision, by the way?
7: That decision is made, ultimately, by the editor. Um,
0: But editors have to go home sometimes, and presumably the editor isn't always there till three in the morning, whatever time you get out your last edition at.
7: Well, there are, are, of course, deputy editors and so on to check with, but... uh, the, the, the actual selection of, of the stories which are submitted to the editor rests with the chief sub-editor always.
0: You know, you, you spoke there about uh, the, you know deciding what is going to be leader. Where will we get a lead story? Do you, Is it true at all that on a night when there isn't any great, obvious story, that making a lead story of one story, of one piece of news, making that your big news for the day... Distorts its importance, and this brings me to a you know a general question of how far does the whole modern layout of a newspaper uh, distort to some extent?
7: This is this is a very difficult question to answer. Um, there the, the, there is an element in the production of a newspaper which I suppose you could call sugarcoating the. Dre- Dressing the dressing the uh, product so that it will sell, to get to get a, a good looking page one which will look well on the newsstands and will attract the casual buyer. This 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 is always a, a present consideration. It's it's not in fact an overriding consideration, much as it may seem to be to to the outsider. Very often, I don't I don't think there is actually ever a question of real distortion there 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 are as i said the drab nights when there's nothing very much happening and uh, th- this is really a, a question a question of selection sometimes a question of spurring one's newsroom to greater efforts and um
0: but doesn't the mere fact that you have to have a big headline you know god knows none of us want to go back to the dull front pages of 70 years ago say or even later, but uh, surely doesn't the mere fact of having a headline and seizing on some point, giving an angle to a story, doesn't that to some extent distort?
7: Frankly, I don't think so. Um. For, first of all, if if you look if you look at the papers that are, um, that are doing well at the moment, I'm I'm not talking now of the the. English popular press which is a, a yeah. very special form of journalism We they've created in fact a kind of never never yes, yes in, in, in which what, what, what happens in a girl's comprehensive school can be deemed to be a, of much more importance than the international situation mm-hmm. and so on um, but uh, uh, looking looking at the newspapers particularly the ones that are doing well at the moment I think you'll find if you go back over the files that they are tending, in fact, to be more and more conservative in makeup, and that the the enormous heads that uh, used to be obligatory uh, have vanished. Going back over the files of my own paper, for example, you'll find that this is very is very markedly so.
0: And you think then that there is a greater sense of responsibility, and that they, that the newspaper, that the sub-editors and all concerned really want to give a balanced view? Well, I'm sure they always want to. That is... I, 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 one is not discussing people's intention at all, but you feel that this can be done within this system of picking out bits as for heads and also the lead paragraph and so forth, yes? I, th- I, I,
7: uh, I, I I, I, don't want to say that the present generation of sub-editors is any more responsible than any previous generation, but that... Um, the, the the actual format of a paper is very often dictated not by journalists but by management. Oh. And uh, the, the 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 current trend is very much more in in keeping, I think, with responsible journalists' um, leanings.
0: And management uh, wants this because they know that in fact that the this is what people want.
7: I think so. This the, the, this is the. Um, the, the, this seems this seems to be the lesson of present trends in 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 newspaper in mm. newspaper sales. So you feel that the better the better and more conservative papers are in fact piling uh, on circulation, and the really sensational ones are beginning to lose. And
0: that's due to.
7: Well, I, I think basically the demand probably is coming from the, the readers themselves. They're looking for a different kind of newspaper now that they're getting the spot news. For, to such a great extent from radio television and so on uh, and they're looking for a different kind of paper a paper that will give more reporting in depth which we're trying to provide and more comment they're looking for a uh, they're they're looking for a different service in fact from their newspapers and I think they're beginning to get it
0: thanks uh well that's it more or less um we haven't course talked about every aspect of journalism or about our morning papers just a few things we might talk about them again there have been things just about touched on and of course also we didn't go outside dublin there's a lot much more to be said about irish papers and irish daily papers than uh, dublin alone knows Uh, but uh, we have i think looked at one or two aspects and we
3: look at some more on another occasion good night